Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Anybody out there? Okay, just making sure. So everybody's got your Bibles. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1 actually is where I'm going to start. Acts chapter 1. I want to take a look at tonight symbols of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Take a look at how the, how the Holy Spirit is represented in Scripture. We're going to take a look at six of those symbols and what they mean. Some Scriptures on them tonight. But Acts chapter 1, and this is the verse for our series as we launch out. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Everybody say commanded. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. It was the promise of the Father. It was the baptism, the outpouring, the immersion in the Holy Spirit. Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with, immersed in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power from on high. So I just want to take a look at tonight in our time together uh, just some of these symbols used for the Holy Spirit and some of their meanings. First off in scripture we see in Matthew chapter 3 the Holy Spirit is symbolized or comes in the form of a dove at Jesus's water baptism. Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine this moment? You know, we talk about this very conceptually a lot, Jesus' baptism. But if you were there, can you imagine one of our water baptism services, a dove flying into the service, and and the heavens thundering with the voice of God, this is my beloved son, and whom I'm well pleased. That would get, get your attention. That would be a water baptism service nobody would forget. And the Holy Spirit came in as the form of a dove. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we see this same imagery. Maybe not necessarily as a dove, but we get the same imagery here. That the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering, was brooding over the face of the waters. This hovering Holy Ghost over the waters, creating The same hovering, the same brooding, the same creating happens in Luke chapter 1 verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The brooding, the stirring of the Holy Spirit, creating power. So the Holy Spirit comes like a dove. 
the dove, some of the characteristics of the dove we see is uh, the dove is mothering. He has a nurturing, mothering nature. The, the dove comes and he brings peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you the peace of the Holy Spirit represented by the dove. The dove is a representative or symbol of purity. The Bible says Jesus teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit in John, 4, or John 16 says when the spirit of truth come, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit of purity, the spirit or symbol of gentleness. Matthew 10, 16 says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Gentleness of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the the symbol of the dove is also represents the spirit of love in Romans 5, 5, that the spirit, the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our heart the love of God. Another symbol in the, in the scripture about the Holy Spirit is wind or the breath, the pneuma of God in Greek, the pneuma, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. In John chapter 20, in verse 22, it says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This was, this was a uh, salvation, if you will, born again, regeneration moment with his disciples. He's saying to them, receive the Holy Spirit, breathing on them, and they are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise. There was, there was more than just this one experience. They were regenerated by the Holy Spirit in John 20. And he tells them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So John 20, he breathed on them the pneuma, the breath of God. In John 3, 8, the wind blows, Jesus says, where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is what? Born of the Spirit. The, the blowing, the breath, the wind of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Genesis when God formed man and breathed into his nostrils. And the Lord God, Genesis 2, 7, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. It's very interesting when we reference creation that, Jesus, that, that God spoke uh, in, in creation, God spoke and His creative word formed the animals of the earth. But when it came to man, when it came to, to, to man becoming a living creature, God not only spoke, but He breathed into man. He breathed into the nostrils the life of God, the Spirit of God into His nostrils. And He became living. Animals were created by the Word of God, but man not only was created and formed and fashioned by the very hand of God, he was breathed into the very life and spirit of God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. That wasn't everybody. And everybody said, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Again, the Holy Spirit represented by the wind, the, the breath, the wind of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Just as a side note, the Bible says in Ephesians that we should be equipped with what? The sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Bible says that it is the 
Word. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So the, the sword that the Spirit uses is what? The Word of God. And so if you want the weapon of God at your disposal, you have to have the Word of God in you, and the Holy Spirit uses that Word of God that's in you. That's why it's so important to saturate yourself in the Word of God. Not just what happens on Wednesdays and Sundays or in small group, but personal study saturating yourself in the Word. Amen. It is God-breathed. The Word of God is God-breathed. It's Holy Spirit-inspired words. It's not just words on a page. It's not just taking up space or a historical book or, or a uh, literature book. It is the active, living, Spirit-inspired Word of God. It's the expression of God Himself written to you and I, and Christ is the manifestation of that Word to you and I. The Holy Spirit is the inspiration. He is the, he is the author. He, the Bible says that the men of God who wrote the Word were caught up in the Spirit as they wrote. And so it became almost like, like a trance-like, Spirit-inspired state where they began to write the words of God under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So the Word of God, or the Spirit of God, characterized or symbolized by wind or by, by breath, God breathed into them. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, is life-giving. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that they might have what? Life. That they might have it more abundantly. The Holy Spirit wants you to have life. He's come to bring life. If you're dead, you need more of the Holy Ghost. If you're lukewarm, you need more of the Holy Ghost. If the fire and the flame of God in your soul has grown lukewarm, you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you need the life, Zoe life. You need the God kind of life flowing through your veins. Hallelujah. In John chapter 1, verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Holy Spirit wants to bring life into your body. Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit of God quickening you. The Spirit of God stirring up life on the inside of you. Hallelujah. From the way it sounds, you need the life of the Holy Ghost tonight. <laughs> you need the fire of God quickened on the inside of you tonight. Hallelujah. John 6, 63, the Spirit gives life. He wants to give you life. The flesh counts for nothing. If you're living life according to your flesh, it's death. But the Spirit will give you life. Life by the Spirit. This is more. Listen, you know, oh, we talk, you know, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit. Of course we talk about the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He wants to bring you life. Stop living in dead places. Stop camping out in the graveyard and move into the place of new life. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit makes us into a new creation. He's breathing new life into us. 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and all things have become new. 
New life. New life. He wants to give you new life. Romans 15, 16, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. He's bringing new life. He's changing you from the old into the new. He's taking the old ugly worm you were and making you into a masterpiece butterfly. He's taking you, transforming you from glory to glory. 1 Peter 1-2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is working sanctification in you. Well, amen, hallelujah, bless the Lord. What does that mean? That the Spirit of God is breathing, brooding in you. Working out sanctification. That means when you have a bad attitude and the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you and reminds you of all that Jesus spoken about in His Word, about your bad attitude. Guess what the Holy Spirit wants to do? Not only is He going to convict you, He wants to change you. He wants to sanctify you. He's going to convict you and lead you and remind you of all that God has said for you. Cooperate with Him and get the Word in you. How, do you, how does that work? How does sanctification work? You get the Word of God in you concerning what the Spirit of God is speaking to you about. And when the Holy Spirit comes the next time and corrects you about your bad attitude, you have the Word of God in you, something for the Holy Ghost to work with and begin to shape and mold you and, to, and rearrange you. And then instead of having the bad attitude, all of a sudden the Word of God concerning 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient, love is forgiving, holds no record of wrong. Instead of acting out of a bad attitude, you're now acting out of love because the Holy Spirit is reminding you of the Scripture that you've been putting on the inside of you. Is this making sense to anybody? This is how sanctification works. Renewing yourself, renewing your mind in the Word of God gives the Holy Spirit the sword, the ammo, the the ability to work with what you've deposited in. If you haven't made a deposit, there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to work with. You've given Him nothing to work with. You've You've not put the Word of God into your belly. Hello? It's like going, you know, it's like going to the to your car and getting in your car, saying, "I'm going to put the key in the ignition, start it up, and go somewhere." But you've not put any gas in your car. You've not put anything in the tank for you to go anywhere. You have the ability to go somewhere, but you've not put the fuel in for it to go anywhere. The Holy Spirit will take you as far as God said that you can go. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered to the mind of man the things that God has for you. But if you have no word in you, the Holy Spirit has no place to take you. He operates in accordance with the word of God. He operates in accordance. Isn't that what Jesus said? He takes what is of mine and reveals it to you. If there is nothing in you of God, if there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to work with, there's no word, there's no foundation, there's no place for you to go. 
But if you're filling yourself with the Word of God and you're cooperating with the Holy Spirit, the possibilities are limitless. Where does faith come from? Go down that avenue. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. If there's no Word concerning God in you, there is no faith being produced in your heart. And there's, again, nothing. Faith becomes the ignition switch. It's, it's like the spark plug for going forward. There's no fuel, there's no word, and there's no faith by the spark plug. And the Holy Ghost can't go anywhere. You're just stuck. You're sitting in your car acting like you're driving down the road, but you're going nowhere. Quick. Anybody hear what I'm saying tonight? Cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He's like water, 1 Corinthians 10. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Out of Christ. Christ is the rock, and flowing from the rock is the river of the Holy Ghost. Pictured in, in, in Revelation, Christ, the middle of the throne, out from the middle of the throne flows the river of God. Here in 1 Corinthians, the rock was Christ, and flowing from the rock was the spiritual drink of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and what? Have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Jesus, on the last day of the feast, John 7, 37 through 39, on the great day of the feast, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink out of his belly, out of his innermost being, not out of his head, but out of his innermost being. Everything related to scripture and spiritual life comes from your innermost being, not out of your head. Out of your inner being will flow rivers. That's why we say out of your head and in your belly. Got to get out of rational, all about, I got to figure it out, I've got to know, and just step in by faith. The, the reason will line up when you begin to walk by faith. God is not anti reason and logic, it's that we operate by carnal logic and reason. God's not anti reason and logic, He created reason and logic. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is not anti you using your brain. You've got to use the right brain. Not the right side of your brain. You've got to use the correct. You've got to use the correct brain. He's not anti you using your brain. It's the, the problem is you're, you're thinking from carnality, not by the mind of Christ. And the only way that you can begin to operate by the mind of Christ is living according to the Spirit of God. Anybody hear what I'm saying? You've got to have the Spirit of God in operation. He reveals to you the mind of Christ. Everything. We are absolutely dependent upon the Holy Ghost. If you, if you are constantly trapped, if you are trapped in your brain, your carnal mind, your logic, your reason, if you're trapped there, the only way to get out is by the Spirit of God. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's getting into the world. This generation is trapped in their carnality thinking. And they try to rationalize and logic Christ and all of Scripture. Your rational, logical mind outside of spirit inspiration cannot figure Him out. Can't even begin to understand. The Word of God and, and the supernatural is, is opposite. It's anti-Spirit of God.
But when you, under the inspiration, yielded to the Spirit of God, yielded to the Spirit of God, come in with the mind of Christ, all of a sudden, the logic and reason line up with the Word of God, and it makes a, a Holy Ghost explosion. I always, you know, if you can take a, a, a person who is all about reason and logic, and get them, and they're stuck in their head. And if they can get under the influence of the Holy Spirit and begin to have a mind, the mind of Christ, the mind that is inspired by the Spirit of God and not by carnality, all of a sudden they, they will see God in a way that nobody else will see Him. Because they're seeing, they're seeing not only the spiritual, but they're seeing logically and rationally. And all of a sudden science and math and all of the academics, all of those things begin to line up and you begin to describe God himself. All of the, all of the studies, academics, and the mind, the, 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 it's very easy for the creative person to understand God and, and be spiritual because they're creative, they're abstract. But if you can get someone who's logical and, and concrete and rational and, and that way of thinking, and all of a sudden they come under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and yield to the Spirit of God, they see God in a whole other way. All of a sudden logic and, and uh, mathematics and academics and uh, science and technology, all of that begin to explain God. God, not contradict him. They, they begin to match up. You begin to see God in all of those areas. You begin to see God in science and how he spoke and everything is still creating. Everything is still multiplying and reproducing itself. God spoke and, and all of the reason and logic just keeps multiplying and growing and increasing and technology developing. At one word, God spoke and all those things are happening. And the, and the, and the logical, the rational person will understand that. They'll be able to wrap their head around that, but not until they're under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Stepping in, having the mind of Christ changes everything. Having the mind of Christ, He makes us into a new creation. He makes us into that's spirit, soul, body. We stop, you know, we, we think of that verse. I know I'm just, I, I'm, I'm going to keep going here. We think of that verse, he makes us new spiritually. We're regenerated by the Spirit of God. But that's in every aspect of our life. He's making us new. I want you to think about that. He's making us new in relationship to our mind. He's, re, he's making us new in relationship to our emotions. He's making us new in relationship to, to how we interact with others and our behaviors. And our lifestyle, he's making every aspect. Everybody say every aspect. Every aspect of our life he's making new by the Spirit of God. And so when you begin to yield to the Spirit, it's interesting. People say, well, I never knew that existed in my life. You know, they, they come under the influence of the presence of the Lord and, and, and the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many times we've heard this since we've been here. Well, I never knew that was in my heart. I never knew that existed. Well, what happens when you get under the influence of the Spirit of God, He begins to pull those things up out of you that you didn't know were there. Why? Because He's making you new. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are all about. You come into a service, and just much like we had tonight, whether, you know, whether, whether it's happening by, by the pastor 
or, or the minister of the house at the moment, or it's happening in ministry within the congregation. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are all about. God begins to identify those areas of your heart and life that He wants to make new. By whether it's prophetic utterance, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, you know, messages in tongues, interpretation. It's for the, edi- what does the Bible say? Edifications, building up of the body, right? So the Spirit of God is making every area of our lives new and we're cooperating. Amen. Everybody said, I'm cooperating. <laughs> he, wants to make your, he wants to make your relationships, your interaction with others new. Where you've had unforgiveness and hurt and rejection, you know, the Holy Spirit comes in and reveals the area of rejection in your heart. You're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that I felt rejected and carrying this. And all of a sudden, you've developed a pattern, a lifestyle around a lie that you've believed 50, 60, 70, 80, however old you are, years ago, right? Am I talking to anybody tonight? 30 years ago, you believed a lie. Somebody told you you could never do it. You'll never be successful. And you believed it. And 30 years later, you are acting still on that lie. And you don't even realize it's become, it's become second nature. It's your carnal nature. It's second, second nature. It's your carnal nature. You're acting according to your carnal nature. Not your primary nature. Not according to the Spirit of God. You're acting according to your carnality. And so the Holy Spirit comes and says, Hey, search me, O God. Know my heart. Know the evil and the wicked ways that are within me. Uh-oh. Here comes the Holy Ghost. See this? This is a pattern of behavior. And sometimes He uses people. Sometimes He uses professionals. Sometimes He uses your pastor. Sometimes you're just sitting in a service and He turns the light bulb on. And you're like, Whoa, I never saw that before. Spirit of God. Yeah, that's good preaching, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> he comes in like water. He wants to wash you clean. Joel chapter 2. Be glad. <laughs> be, be happy. <laughs> be joyful. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For He has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain. The early and the latter rain is before The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vat shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Woo! Hallelujah! And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. He comes like rain. He comes like water. He comes like a mighty river. Washing over your soul. And John 4, 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The Holy Spirit in Scripture is like fire. In Acts chapter 2, verse 3, Then appeared unto them 
divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. There's a flame for you. There's a tongue of fire for you. The fire of God can burn in your life. Paul told Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Stir up, fan into flame, rekindle the fire that was in you, which is on in you through the laying on of my hands. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist prophesied and said, He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The Holy Spirit is like oil. In 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed oil, has anointed us, and has put on us the seal and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Mark chapter 6, verse 13, They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Psalms 23, 5, You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all of your companions. Yeah, the oil of God is fuel. We see it in the parable of the ten virgins that the oil of God, the oil of the Holy Ghost is fuel for your fire. If you're running low on fuel tonight, soak up, drink up the Holy Spirit. Begin to lap up the Holy Spirit. Let Him fill you with oil of gladness that you might burn for him. Yeah, the oil has healing qualities. It's the oil, the balm of Gilead wants to bring healing to you. The oil of the Holy Ghost is associated with the anointing. He wants to anoint you with fresh oil for healing and oil for joy in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He comes like wine. Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with new wine. When you're drinking of the Holy Ghost, you don't need the drink of the world. You can go have a big drink of the Holy Spirit and find all the joy and relaxation and intoxication that you need. <laughs> yeah, He is intoxicating. His love is intoxicating. His peace is intoxicating. His joy is intoxicating. Have a drink of the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't want to lose control. Have a drink of the Holy Ghost. You need to stop being in control. You feel the ugly thing. You being in control has got you the results you got. Get out of control and let Him bring the results that need to be brought. I think that rhymed, unintentionally. <laughs> I don't know what I said, get the podcast. Acts chapter 2. Great example of this. Acts chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, these are filled with new wine. They've been drinking. They were drinking all right. They were having a, a big drink, but they weren't drinking wine. They were drinking the new wine of the Holy Ghost. They were drinking of the Holy Spirit, and it affected them. It made them a little uh, inebriated. They thought that the, the people thought that they had been drinking. It's okay if people think we're a little crazy. Have a drink. <laughs> Have enough. You need a big drink. Don't, don't mock me. Just come get on the floor with me. Just come experience it for yourself. Don't laugh at me. Just come get a drink yourself and see what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. 
Hallelujah. The wine is healing. It's intoxicating. brings joy and delight. The Holy Ghost, He wants to fill. I flew through those notes. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you. The symbols of the Holy Ghost are for us not to sit back and to say, oh, the Holy Spirit, yes, He's like rain. Yes, He's like water. Yes, that's, and, and we pontificate about the rain <laughs> and the water and the rivers. No, that's, that's not the point. The point is to say, He's like water and I'm going to get wet. He's like water and I want to be saturated. He's like water and I'm wanting to pour out on me. He's like oil and I want the oil to come and run down my head and cover me. He's, he's like fire. I want him to burn on the inside of me. He, he's like wine and I want to drink liberally and freely. I want, yeah, shikaba, sobraba, isikanda, mohoto, brabase. Yeah, why don't you get on your feet with me and let's, let's practice what we preach. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.